to Probably Science. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Andy Wood. I'm joined by Matt Kirshen. Hey, Andy. You almost forgot the word host there for I, a second. It's, uh, it's been a long day. It's a uh, double record day following it, a pool party. It as, is. As listeners of last week's episode will remember. Um, yeah, we had to double up on some recordings because we're going to be out of town. And um, I'm yeah still a tiny bit hungover. The problem with the pool party is, of course, you're at your house already. So you'll be able to justify getting drunker than than you would uh, if you were driving somewhere. And then I'm uh, also walking distance to one of the best bars as seen in the Paul Thomas Anderson movie Magnolia. Foxfire is walkable from my house. So close things down there. Did some karaoke. and um, Was it karaoke night or did you just take control? Just took over the PA, plugged in my own phone. <laughs> I got some songs I need to share. Yeah. You guys are going to thank me. It's not even a microphone, Andy. Yep, you don't That's need it. That's a hairbrush. When Why do you that? have a hairbrush? <laughs> I just slide in on socks and undo it. Just take those old records <laughs> off. Uh, it was a it was a fun night. It was a fun night. Uh, how how was your last uh, half hour been since last we talked, Matt? Been very exciting. Yeah. I went to the donuts and coffee place around the corner, and I got donuts and tea. <laughs> oh, I'm very British. But they don't even call them donuts. What do you guys call donuts over there? We call them donuts. Oh, okay, you call them donuts. <laughs> I missed an opportunity to bullshit that you yeah, for yeah. a second. <laughs> We call them sponge fritters. Well, we also had some um, goodies, other other baked delights brought to us courtesy of our guest, Amber Preston. Yes, I brought you vegan, gluten-free cookies and oh. then full of gluten uh, chocolate croissants. It's a rare Thank guest uh, who brings us any kind of treats. It has happened before. And Not I very gotta, often. I got to oh. tell you. I don't. I don't think this is. They've always turned out to be the, like the best. The guests that we love the most, the <gasps> best guests. Uh, and I don't think it has anything to do with the free stuff that they bring. I think nope. it's just so a the pressure's on. Uh, I feel like the cookies will speak for themselves. And making a vegan gluten free cookie taste delicious. I think there's some science involved. So I feel like that was. It's incredible. Is, how it is out. the gluten thing intentional or was this just it what is they had left No, over? no, no. That's intentional. They, do all the, they don't do gluten. Well, they don't do it. The, the, the restaurant doesn't have any. Well, uh, the <sighs> croissants came, the catering, they have the gluten. Uh, they've got it. It's not like designate, designated celiac because we don't. There could be some contamination. But, so then uh, it's. We have we talk, we, uh, on the show, have we discussed how non celiac gluten intolerance has been debunked? Because it has right, but oh, there's, there's, and there's plenty there's of people else. that come yeah. in that are like, oh no, no, I'm not celiac. I just, I, I can't do gluten. I just you don't can. do gluten. I'm you like, can. Yeah. Oh, you choose not to. Yeah, but. yeah which is if if that is fully the case, and I think you're right. I think that has been celiac is a thing. Oh, celiac is very much right. a thing. Yes. But then, if it is the case that no other gluten intolerance is is a thing, then that's extra bullshit. Because for people with celiac, it's really freaking serious. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like. Thousands of other people are crying wolf on behalf of yeah. this person who has a serious. Yeah, I, I try to trick myself into eating more vegetables by by going gluten free, just because that there's not a lot of options. You got to eat the healthy stuff. Well, but, yeah, yeah, that's the thing is like if you're doing that, you're probably also just cutting out a lot of carbs and things, yeah. and it's good for you. But it wasn't because of the gluten that you're cutting out. Right. It's just you're choosing different foods. I'm just not eating. All the bread. Yes, but yeah, they're really—they're really tasty cookies. No, I didn't mean to look a gift horse. I just oh, no, did no. look a gift horse yeah. in the mouth, but I was just curious what the vibe of the, right, the right, place right. is. Oh no, yeah, there. it is. And then um, we still have eggs, though, which I don't know if that's a thing. Like, vegan, but you so still eat eggs. And then we not... have cow's milk for <laughs> coffee drinks. So it's just vegetarian, then. Pretty much, but um, 
that you have to add an egg. You have to ask for the egg, but people still get like, oh, well, I thought that you were vegan. I'm like, well, I'm not forcing the egg down yeah, the throat. Yeah, yeah. You have an egg, don't have an egg. They're not w- militant about it. I wonder it. if the pendulum is going to swing the other direction. I guess it already kind of has with people doing their own butchering and like uh, reappreciating yeah. meats. Well, and paleo diet people. Oh, yeah. You're which right. is also bullshit. Right. Everything's... Uh... Well, you could live as long as the cavemen. Paragons <laughs> <laughs> of well, longevity. Yeah. Maybe you they're could. just like following a plan or like, I'm, look at me, I'm doing, I'm making a conscious effort to be following some sort of health plan. I'm eating with intent. Yeah. I'm eating with purpose. I just eat whatever's left over from the catering Thank as you. we're yeah. enjoying. Like, How's the you know, cookie? Human being. Sorry, what are you saying? I was, I was just want to know how the cookie is. I didn't mean to cut you off. But he's trying, he's trying the cookie. Uh, politely, he's chewing off Mike because that's, that's called something too when you hate when people chew. I don't know Mesophonia. what it's called. But what's it called? Misophonia. Oh. We have listeners that get really mad, so I'm going to like turn off my mic. For yeah, a I'll, this, like this. It, that that infuriates me to no end. So I will I will just continue to talk and try not to make any juicy, clicky noises with my mouth. But um, and, the um, cookie is good. Good, it's a good cookie. Good. But yeah, what I was going to say is the paleo people are like the human body evolved to eat this kind of diet. And go, yeah, but the human body, the most of our longevity is nothing to do with the human how the human body is naturally. <laughs> like modern medicine has taken us far beyond the reaches the normal but then I've also heard people say I hope I'm not talking like food sounds right now um oh, oh they'll don't let put you that, know Matt don't put that next to the power converter I can hear a hum from okay. everything it's going off the rails I, I brought the cookies I went, I went to move the now couch so I was close to the table I didn't realize I was amplifying buzzing um what were you gonna say that uh some peop- some of the popular conventional wisdom about how People didn't live that long before modern medicine is sort of overblown. It is slightly overblown because the life expectancy stats that you see are hugely skewed by infant mortality. Right. Uh. So when you go like, yeah, that that is also the case. To be fair, when when they go like, people in the olden days had a life expectancy of forty-one. You go, yeah, but that's uh, that's because they're taking the mean. And there was huge infant mortality. Huge Dead babies ruin everything. Right? Death during childbirth, death yeah. during very young age. So which, once you made it past a, cer- past. Okay. Past oh, a God, certain age. Oh, God. Sorry, I'm influencing oh, you already. Perfect. Uh, yeah. Once, yeah, once you get... If you make it out of youth, if you make it, if you make it to adulthood, you've got a good... Right. Even back in those days, you just had a good chance of making it into to a fairly reasonable. hefty number of decades. Yeah. We still have people... Um, I hear a lot of, like, egg white only also... Uh, People in all, all the restaurants, isn't that a thing? Are we over that? That's a cholesterol but, level. I mean, that could but, be but, a thing. but I thought that was debunked to that. It's like, no, actually, if you eat the yolk with the white, it's not as bad as we oh, thought. I, don't I thought know that, that maybe, oh. right, possibly. I'll, I'll, I'll check into it. By the way, do misophonia people hate it if your jaw clicks? Because mine does that. Have I don't heard it. I don't know. Can you hold on? I don't know anyone who's listening who has misophonia. Please write I'm in. I'm right next to you, and it, it's not bothering me. But listen, sitting next to someone eating pizza or macaroni and cheese. Is, I'm getting furious Specifically about dough it. goods Pizza Pizza There's something about like the chew, Or maybe it was just my ex Like the chewing <laughs> and Not that the, Or anybody really Like it's the cheesy The saucy Like oh god I can't do it um, The mac and cheese Is just that same That like Super gooey So, so Amber Yes uh, Amber for our listeners By the way Amber is a very very funny comic I first worked with In Minneapolis mm-hmm. Who now lives in LA Yes but You have to tell them the tidbit You always tell everyone Which I thoroughly enjoy Oh yeah One of my fa- My one of the things I'm indebted to Amber, she yes. named my album. The uh, um, I guess we'll never guess know. We'll is never the name know. My album, which relates to a bit of material, a story on the album. Mm-hmm. And I, Amber was on the same weekend. She was mm-hmm. one of the other acts on the bill when I was recording that that set. Uh-huh. 
and you know you always say that like ah oh, you should you should name should your next album that or you should call that. your album but you were recording the album yeah and I didn't so. have a I didn't have a title I had the show I had all the material but it didn't have a good title yeah. and Dan Schlissel who from Stand Up Records mm-hmm. who was there recording it said what are you going to call it and Amber suggested that there I was we like, go fuck yeah yeah good work yeah so thank you so I'm available for that if anybody needs she's good at naming things what, what do you listen? charge for that service <laughs> oh it's a case by it depends on how many okay. times I have to listen to your act yeah. to get it <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're from you're from way up north. Roy, I've come from the Northland. You're from Fulham, Fargo. North of the Wall. Lands. I'm from Fargo, North Dakota originally, and then moved when I was 18 for college, University of Minnesota, and then now uh, lived in LA the last year and a half. So. I've I've noticed in your act if you do you don't normally sound that Fargo. No, but once I start, but once you start, you can't get out. I of can't it. stop. Like I've noticed you on stage. <laughs> yes, halfway through your set, you'll do you'll tell a story about your mum. And you'll do an impression of your mom in the process of that. Yep. And then you're just locked. You're it it is. It's, it, it's the, just a little like, yeah. Like, I think it's the jaw. Like, if you can't see me, you're, we're all doing this weird double chin. Pull like, very lateral. Your the mouth goes real like, lateral. And it's like, your you know, and you just, oh, gal, you just can't. It's hard to slip. It's just, instead of saying, um, or, uh, oh, it's, oh, gal, you know, you just, <laughs> you just fall into it. So... Do you, do you and Mary Mack ever meet up and have a... We do. And that's, off? you know, you, you sit and ch- or you're chatting with certain people and you pick up their mannerisms. So you can't you can't have lunch with Mary Mack without walking away with a, oh, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, gal. But I'll and try not to. On this season's last comic standing, um, um, Andy... Andy Erickson. Erickson. She's one, yes, of my, yeah, my, one of my close gal pals here. We have a show together. And she also has a higher... Pitched. She's not. Hers is not quite as thick as Mary Max or accent. Yeah. Um, but I feel bad because they all. They're all three very funny ladies. Very different. Or three. I haven't said the third one yet. Mar- Maria Bamford's Mary in that Bamford, same. That's Duluth, so, right? Duluth. But um, whenever any Mary or Andy get any sort of press, especially the Twin Cities or even online anywhere, it's like one is like, oh, you're just trying to be Mary Bamford. Oh no, you're just trying to be Mary Mac. Oh no, you're just trying to be like they all get like why can't they be like as if yeah. as if a comic with a New York accent would yeah. get that you know yeah, yeah. Well, the no, only, you just like comedically yeah the only thing they have in common is the fact that their voice is the same because yeah. that's where they're from yeah and they <laughs> and they do I guess all have slightly depending on what voice Maria is doing slightly higher pitched voices but and they're all kind of like silly gooses it's not like oh, so i walked into a bar oh, right, so they're right. not doing like they're all doing interesting stuff but um yeah they all that accent it's always the silly geese tour could they do that yeah Can they, they name should their tour? Can they, they should do a gooses. silly geese's silly geese tour oh god god would that be fun would that ever be fun oh would that be a good time oh god that it, oh, Am I doing it? I'm, i was born in minnesota but i don't you think were I, born in minnesota i just spent a year there oh though, so but I you're know. i was listening to the podcast you're from michigan you spent time in michigan? raised in michigan but just from zero Oh, well, one. you got some good in you in, then. Yeah. We're in Michigan. I spent time in Michigan and Chicago. Uh, so it was Minneapolis, then um, Mount Pleasant, Michigan for three years. I don't then know where that is. Chicago for a year, then Ann Arbor for everything else. Where's Mount Pleasant? It's central Michigan. It's where Central Michigan University is. Oh, God. It sounds lovely. It sounds just like great. The leaves. Oh, have you ever been? Heartland. See the leaves turn? See the leaves turn oh, in Michigan? God. So I don't even, why can't I do my own accent? Like, I'm from <laughs> Michigan. Is, I can't do, I don't uh, know. Michigan's a little bit weird. I don't, can't do it. It's more closer to the Chicago. Like, it's a little, it's not as like, oh, Chicago. yeah, yeah. Chica- it's a little... I don't know, more staccato maybe? There's that Chicago is a little... Yeah. You just think of the Bears guys yeah, of yeah. Chicago and kind of yeah. uh, having, a, having a more like... Uh, is that different from Minnesota, I think what so. I'm doing yeah, now? Yeah, yeah, because it's like the O isn't quite as long. Yeah, the Bears guys, you know, the S's are a little harder. Sure. Ironically, Tim Harmston, Mary Mack's husband, is from Chicago or outside Chicago. He does a great 
Silly Goose Chicago. <laughs> a lot of funny so Chicago silly, characters. Silly so, Goose Tour. You know, they get together. Chicago, you know. God, is that a fun big city, you know? And then uh, <laughs> I think Michigan, that's a whole nother ball of wax. They got their own. Yeah, and, I can't, and sometimes I'm blind to it or deaf to it, yeah. I guess is what blindness for sound is yeah. called. Uh, yeah, like people in my own family, friends of mine, like, I can hear it. Oh my God, that's I'm so... I'm so not prejudiced. Yeah. I don't even see accents. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that is, you sound color, funny. Either. Boy, do you ever sound funny, man. Yeah. I don't know where you're... You know, what are you Obviously. from, Detroit? Or, you know, but... Uh, yeah, it's more of a Romulus accent he's got there, I yeah, think. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, Amber. Yes. When you were back... In your northern ways, yes. in your northern climes, yes. And you were growing up. Yes. Uh, did you have any kind of a background in science? Did you have anything you were particularly drawn to? No, I did love all of my science teachers throughout school, all my yeah. years of schooling, um, and uh, but never carried on with the education uh, of it. I um, my my homeroom teacher in junior high was uh, Mrs. Lichen, Larkin, I can't remember, but it was a biology classroom. So there were always all the tools in the sinks and, you know, we would always try to um, move, move Bunsen burners and things around. And that was about as saucy as I got. <laughs> um, I always enjoyed them, but never really. Moving Bunsen burners, the ultimate like, practical oh, joke. Yeah, right. Like, <laughs> let's put this here where it's not supposed to be. Like, I was not expecting a, a yellow flame. Exactly. It's going to be a blue flame. Yeah. I was like not a Back rebel. when short cheating was like a thing. That's like the lamest prank I've ever heard of. What is, that was a thing my parents' generation used to do. Yeah, you would like. Was it? I don't think it was actually damaging. I don't think it was no. cutting the sheets. It was just making a bed so you couldn't pull the sheet up oh. high enough to cover yourself yeah. or something. Uh, I, I or think so. uh, we call that for some reason in Britain. That's called apple pie beds. It's like, apple I pie? Have no beds? idea. There's no payoff. No, well, the, what it actually is? Because if you're sleeping with them, you're going to get screwed too. If I believe if it's the same thing, I think it is. What you do, and it only works for what. This is pre duvet. Pre duvet. This is this is when oh, you have a savages. bed with sheets. PD. Yeah. Um, and and there's like, you know, there's the undersheet that you mm-hmm. sleep on top of, and then there's two layers of sheets. There's normally like the kind of sleep the undersheet. Oh, the fitted sheet. That's the, what you're saying. Yeah. So that's yeah. the fitted sheet. But then, although even then that wouldn't have been fitted at the time, you'd right. fold it over. Sure. But then there'd Hospital be the sheet. Yeah. Then there'd be the sheet over the, that goes over the top of you, and then there'd be the blanket over the top of that. So the sheet that goes over the top of you, you kind of fold it in a kind of zigzag pattern. So it goes halfway down the bed, then it doubles back on itself, and then it goes back again. So, so as you put your foot in, it only goes halfway down the bed, and you stop. Oh, you Brits so are so classy. You feel shorter fold. than it is, and you're like, and you go like, "Am I suddenly a giant? <laughs> what is this? <laughs> what is this skullduggery?" Oh my god, it's even lamer than I pictured. That's, <laughs> so, so if you just push, if you just push that. through it, if you push hard, it'll just go back to how. It, 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 no, I think you need power. to untuck everything, and then. Oh, okay. You need to pretty. You need to untuck it, and but that also relies on you not finding it strange that your bed was made differently from how you made it. Like, like it's tighter than you. Ma- you know, they all like, have servants, so they all have oh, servants. Okay, okay, that's the that's kind of. Uh, it's tight at first because yeah. beds are tight when you first. If you first make a bed with fitted sheets, with uh, like tucked in sheets, then it is all. Well, you know, sometimes even in hotels where they have where they do have duvets and they just tuck everything in. Yeah. And at first, you're sort of cocooned. Yeah. But you would have remembered whether you did that or not. When I was saying, if, if you didn't have servants, the fact that it was, uh, I forget. Yeah, well, I guess well that's saying. where it's even more confusing because then you're like, but I made I didn't this do bed, this. and this right. isn't how it should oh. be. Hilarious. <laughs> uh, like as practical jokes go, it is one where you sort of just go, 
Yeah. I hope that pays <laughs> off. Response. I'm not going to be in the room when oh, the person there were, does there it. There were probably some times my old homeroom teacher went to grab for something and it wasn't in the well, spot. Uh, I've been right? moved slightly. You slightly yes. moved the chair. Yeah, I put this microscope two inches to the left. <laughs> did, did you guys ever try putting attack on anybody's chair in any context? No. You yeah. ever tried that? No. I did. It didn't work at all. Yeah, yeah it never worked. Uh, the only thing it did do once was we got a lecture with... <laughs> Uh, we got a lecture from a teacher who went in, saw attack on the chair, went, and then had a go at us because that attack could go into your someone's spine and paralyze them. <gasps> oh my god! Which is what? also not true. How big are the attacks you were using? Good grief! You tried yeah, it for real? Yeah, I don't remember if it was just because maybe. First of all, they need to be those flat ones and not those longish pushpin <laughs> ones because those aren't going to stay upright when someone no. sits down. Uh, that could have been the problem. Or maybe someone just missed it altogether. I don't know what ended up happening. Oh, it's Nothing. It's like I tried to do the um, hand in hot water thing also. I'm a little brother when I oh, had a sleepover. Them. Yep, yeah. never worked. Didn't, it didn't work and my dad found out and got mad. <laughs> he just knocked over the bowl when he moved in bed yeah. or something. Uh, so not, not a lot of science background. Um, not, I don't, uh, I was, as I was saying before the podcast recording started, uh, I was listening to the Drennan Davis episode and whose grandfather is this fancy pants scientist. And I was like, I got, I come from, come from farmers. I come from farming. What all kind of farming. farming? What kind of farming? And yes, yes, right. It is. And a craft oh, and a Did you grow up on a farm? I did not, oh. but very close to like cousins four miles away farmers. And so I would go and pick rocks. Were they... Rock farmers, animal farmers. <laughs> no. Were they arable or they? They uh, a lot of soybeans. I think Uncle Terry. We would pick rocks out of the field so that when they the, the combines and things would go things through. Were, yeah, okay. uh, they probably didn't need us to do that, but it was a, like here, kids. Have yeah, some, here's a job. Was feel it a penny a rock kind of job? So, yeah, one of those yeah, kind of yeah. Things? It was yeah per rock, but they had to be of a certain size. Um, and then my mom's side of the family, they were dairy farmers, but we didn't live very close to them. And my dad's uncle, I just remembered this. It was a. Um, like one of the, like the at least uh, in the U.S. if not the world's uh, one of the foremost experts in potatoes. Oh, he was like like Mr. Potato Man. Like is in all he was a professor and was in all the thing. Traveled the world speaking on potatoes and how did to he grow have like and... a face that could be rearranged by children? <laughs> no. Pressing different. No, features that would have been terrifying. With the right family implements, function. the children probably could. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he could explain that. No, but he had toothpicks in his ears and his body was just a glass of water. With, uh, roots. <laughs> he could power a very weak clock. Yes. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> I always thought that was cool that Uncle Dwayne, Sarge, we called him, was like, I just knew he was a fancy pants. Like, he knew about all the all potatoes. The potatoes. <laughs> he knew all the time. He was like, the, like, he got to go to Russia one time, probably many times. That's, that's like, potato mecca over whoa, there. Right? Oh, yeah. he teaches people about the potatoes. stuff they do with potatoes. Yeah. Oh, it's incredible. Did he ever make his own, like, uh, moonshine vodka? Probably. Oh, well, there was always moonshine around at my family functions, both sides of the family. So I don't know. Oh, really? I don't associate the north with, I guess any place yeah. rural is moonshine yeah. country, right? Maybe. Yeah, white lightning. Both sides of the family called it white lightning. And it was in a mason jar, of course, and was always just like came out. And, we, and there was no glasses. It was just passed around. And a little tally chart to show how many people had gone blind. Right. <laughs> Did you uh, partake in that before you were legal to drink? Uh, little sips. Things? But I was, I was pretty straight edge. Like, I oh, didn't okay. really do much I wasn't like whooping it up especially with the family but and we'd have I remember getting to have Bloody Marys before I was 21 oh. thinking that was so fancy so gross yeah. I always hated to me I didn't acquire a taste for tomato juice until the last like 10 years probably well it's more the stuff on the Bloody Mary but still like it's very overpowered yeah some salty. adult friends of mine are still like why would you Bloody Marys are the grossest invention ever What's I don't idea? think that I'm just I like the Clamato I like I like a little I got into that things. a bit in Canada Bloody Mary. Clamato? Bloody Mary? Yeah, what is it? They call Bloody Caesars, oh, Caesars the, isn't it? The Clamato, they, uh... Bloody Caesar, yeah. Oh, okay. It's good. So. And then what do they call the ones with uh, tequila? That's a thing. 
Oh, that is thing. I don't know what it's called. Oh, Bloody Maria. I think that's. Well, I think yeah. Just, yeah Bloody makes sense. Maria. So you are you were straight edge or straight somewhat edge. straight edge? Yeah, yeah. I didn't. I I didn't. In college, I smoked a little bit, but only to talk to boys. Right, like, right. As, like, oh, as you can do. I bum smoke? That's how I talk. Did yeah. you have anything else you did to try to relate to boys? Like, maybe oh yeah, playing? I would rock. This was the uh, late '90s. I'm an old lady, and all the University of Minnesota, my little circle of gal pals, and I would wear candy necklaces to parties, and uh, let boys buy the candy neck. Well, they're gonna make out with you a little bit if you offer someone a candy necklace. Right, Taylor's old as time. Uh, right, yeah, yeah. So we thought we were so smart. No one had ever thought of this ever before. Did you get rainbow colors? On oh your yeah, because you're dancing and wet... sweating. It was like yeah. nonstop dance party USA, and uh, and then we'd also uh, pretend to interview people. I always thought being funny was the way to get into a man's pants, which has never been the case. Oh, I don't know. Uh, oh, I don't know. I've been uh, funny I into think nakedness. It might, it might be like a, I don't know. It might be more of a mindset. If, for me, definitely funny women. Right. Well, like, maybe not that age. Like women, when we were sure. like young, like 19, 18, 19, 20, 21. Yeah, I guess it's sort of and a girl comes up to you with a just... fake microphone and starts like, hey, how, <laughs> well, that was my, that was one of my moves. <laughs> At parties, I pretend to hold the microphone and be like, "Hey, we're just uh, we're doing interviews. Tell me what how do you what do you think this party's going?" And they'd be like, "What the fuck? Why are you holding like no nothing in my hand?" And uh, and then just try to. Talk that would to work them. for me. That would have worked for you. Uh, literally anything would have worked <laughs> right. for me at that age. Uh, yeah. If a woman is talking to me yeah. of her own volition, <laughs> that's working. Yeah, that's... I guess I whined about it not working, but I was too young to or not like I just didn't realize like oh they were giving me a green light. Uh, I guess I don't know. Did you ever play any video games to try to get in their good graces? Uh, a little bit. Not I, that women can't play video games right, right, for no. their own benefit. Right, right. I did. We, I did have a my senior year of college. I did have a couple of gal pal roommates, and we had an old Nintendo, one of the whatever it's called, Eight the first NES and um, the Famicom. We had um, a couple of games, and so I would invite gentlemen up to play Nintendo, thinking like, ah, Smooth. that's why he'll want to come up to the apartment. <laughs> Like, Whatever gets them up there. It yeah, doesn't matter. That's it's, what I yeah, thought. Yeah. But, uh, I once talked to a girl into coming back to my um, college room to show her my roommate's cowboy boots. Ooh. <laughs> doesn't matter. The, <laughs> Any excuse. Yep. Do you want to come up and look at penis? <laughs> <laughs> I have something to show you. Why don't you kiss? <laughs> <laughs> my roommate's cowboy boots. Yeah, it, I don't know how that was a thing, but he was from Texas. And yeah, he's got like real cowboy boots, like oh. real ones. You want to see him? Did you yes, ever put I the do. cowboy boots like outside the door as, instead of the tie on the doorknob to be like, oh. I don't know if we had any system. I think there was a time when people would be like, I got to sleep. And they would just come in and everyone would pretend like there aren't things happening right. in the same room. You would just keep quiet and keep the lights We off. would play my college boyfriend... Uh, he was in a fraternity and they, you know, beds were lofted. So you were really like four feet from the other couple, but like it's, you're raised off the floor, but you're still just across a tiny room <laughs> yeah. in a single bed on two by fours that 18 year olds built dangerous. But we would put on a, uh, whenever anybody was feeling frisky, it'd be like, do you guys, uh, you guys want to fall asleep to the Braveheart soundtrack? It was the Braveheart soundtrack. What was the, uh, I was going to put on, I was going to put on the Braveheart soundtrack. It was, Listen, I'm going to go to sleep because uh, we're just going to put on the uh, Braveheart soundtrack. That was the soothing album of choice yeah. that was always available via Columbia House or BMG oh. or whichever one you were stealing CDs from. And that was the movie, I'm trying to know. think, what, were there any popular songs on that soundtrack? No, it's just it orchestral. No, it's, just, it's just a score. Uh, yeah, it was great. But it was a great score. Wasn't yeah. it like Hans Zimmer or somebody? It's just swelling music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, there was some it, noise, it, but it wasn't like... Inspired, yeah, oh, sexy it felt music. very powerful. <laughs> yeah, that or Dances with Wolves. Oh, totally. Dances with Wolves, yeah. Yep. 
Yeah, so. So did uh, did the the video games you played with the boys? Did it make you violent? I don't think so. Leading into something here. No, I don't. I don't think. uh, Well, just my own competitive ways would cause. Yes, but not. Well, that's good because uh, that's also what 200 academics have said in an open letter they signed criticizing controversial new research suggesting a link between violent video games and aggression. And this what is a topic a new article. Uh, what an interesting new perspective on video games <laughs> these people have written. Yeah, well, this is interesting. So this is like a very quick... We quite often have a story that comes out with an almost immediate debunking. Mm-hmm. Or at least this is a con- fairly controversial thing. So... There was initial research suggesting a link between violent video games and aggression, uh, which was released by the American Psychological Association, which set up a task force that reviewed hundreds of studies and papers published between 2005 and 2013. And it concluded, while there was no single risk factor to blame for aggression, violence, uh, violent video games did contribute. The research demonstrates a consistent reaction relation between violent video game use and increases in aggressive behavior, aggressive cognitions, and aggressive effect, and decreases in pro-social behavior, empathy, and sensitivity to aggression. So the report. Um, it's the accumulation of risk factors that tends to, agree- to lead to aggressive or violent behavior. The research reviewed here demonstrates that violent video game use is one such risk factor. However. <laughs> however. However. Ladies and gentlemen and people from neither category. A large group of academics... A large group of academics said they felt the methodology of the research was deeply flawed as a significant part of material included in the study had not been subjected to peer review. I fully acknowledge that exposure to repeated violence may have short-term effects. You will be a fool to deny that. But the long-term consequences of crime and actual violent behavior, there is just no evidence linking violent video games with that says Dr. Mark Coulson, Associate Professor of Psychology at Middlesex University, and one of the signatories of the, of the letter. If you play three hours of Call of Duty, you might feel a little pumped, but you're not going to go out and mug someone. You might feel a little pumped. Yep. Uh, the question of whether violent video games inspire violent behavior in real life is a subject that strongly divides opinion. So, so this article on the BBC goes a little bit into the, the background and the history and the research and the rating system and so on. And we'll publish a link to that on probablyscience.com. But I have a link to the actual letter. This is an open letter signed by approximately 230 media scholars, psychologists, and criminologists opposing the American Psychological Association's current policy statements on media violence. Um, That's a lot of people. It says, um, We welcome the appointment of a task force charged with examining research on media violence and previous statements on the subject by the APA. The issue of video games and other media violence continues to be contentious amongst both the general public and the scholarly community, particularly in the wakes of the Sandy Hook shooting, where the rightly or wrongly much discussion is focused on this issue. Much is at stake regarding the way scientific information is communicated to the general public, the way in which policy statements can set scientific agendas, and the credibility of the field as a careful and objective science. We very much welcome blah, 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 blah. We welcome, welcome, welcome. We, uh, we appreciate the, their efforts. Goes on like that. Yeah, we express concern. Lot. There's a lot of there's a lot of that sort of passive aggressive. <laughs> right. Like, all due respect. Like, you mean no respect is what you mean. You, <laughs> yeah. you have zero respect. It's cute okay. that you're trying. Yeah, but. yeah. No, it's a good effort. It's a good effort. And then uh, it starts saying like, we also express concern. Uh, we appreciate their efforts to do this. There are unprecedented opportunities to develop a solid basis for careful and nuanced communication and research findings to the general public. We also express concern that there are risks involved, particularly in the light of methodological and sociological issues well known to impact this field. 
Below, we highlight several issues that we hope the APA Task Force will consider as they reflect on this matter. I love scientists can be so yeah, cutting okay. while being so polite. <laughs> oh, uh, we can learn from them. We express concern that the APA's previous policy statement delineated several strong conclusions on the basis of inconsistent or weak evidence. Research subsequent to that 2005 statement has provided even stronger evidence that some of the assertions in it cannot be supported. As an important scientific discipline that helps shape the public discourse on issues of behavior, policy statements that are rigid or ideological can serve to stifle scientific innovation. And new theories may inadvertently serve to increase publication bias, particularly given concerns about both disregard for null fundings and researcher degrees of freedom. The writing is great, and so it does seem to be credible, but the fact that this whole paper is coated in Cheetos dust to <laughs> me kind of undermines a little bit of the credibility. It does the opposite for me. I'm like, oh, I'm going to take these guys yeah, seriously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, some serious well academic gamers, yeah. 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 Against this background, you further you spilled some code red Mountain Dew in that part. Like, there's a <laughs> ring you can clearly see. We further expressed the belief that it's possible for responsible scholars to make good faith arguments that bo- both that media violence may have some influence on aggression or other outcomes, or that media violence may not have such effects. Similarly, we believe that pressure to produce positive findings is present throughout the review and publication process, as well as in grant seeking. Obviously, positive findings should certainly be welcome, but so should negative findings or failed replications. Without care taken to encourage publication of non-replications, we will not have a full view of the data in this field. Uh, We also acknowledge that meta-analysis has its place, but express the concern that meta-analysis in the realm can be misleading. For instance, many previous meta-analyses has relied on on bivirate effect sizes. As we all know. Which is Duh. normal due to the homogeneity assumption of meta-analysis. This is getting great. That's what Amber just telling me before we started recording. Yeah. She, it's like, yeah. Those words, you know? As a simple matter, boys both consume more violent media and are more aggressive, so small correlations may reflect gender effects. Uh, naturally, other variables may well explain small correlations as well. Um, yeah, so it's basically... There's a lot of criticisms about the way... So what they did, the, the original study that they're criticizing, that was a meta-analysis where they looked at a whole heap of studies and they combined it which is often a very useful academic tool yeah. where they go because most studies have small to middling sample sizes so you go well, well let's look at them all together pull those results and then we get a big sample size and the bigger the sample you get the more accurate your results normally but this points out that there are problems with that and one of them is the various studies that they're pulling together they're far more likely to report and publish the ones that have positive rather than negative mm-hmm. effects. Mm-hmm. So that causes a big bias. Mm-hmm. And then there are other correlation effects that are also causing biases that they then go to pinpoint. Uh, and that first, the actual meat of this open letter is only about two pages. The last six pages are entirely all the signatures. signatures. <laughs> and like, again, I was on board until I saw some of these uh, Princess Peach from the University of Queensland. <laughs> uh uh, someone named Dr. Donk E. Kong from University of Copenhagen. I don't know if these can be trusted. Um, uh, to be fair, doc, uh, I, I remember seeing a, a TED talk by Dr. Donk. Mm-hmm. And Dr. Kong. Very educational. <laughs> and throwing, and funny, funny. Throwing, throwing barrels at the audience the entire time. Was well, you a learn, bit you laugh annoying. and learn. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I guess keep keep on uh, smoking if you got them. Keep on. I've never played any of the real violent up. ones. I don't. Ah. They're they're too they're terrifying. I mean they're not like uh yeah, no, terrifying. My roommate had a giant um man cave ish setup mm-hmm. in the basement, the surround sound, a projector and stuff when I was living in Portland, and he had bio 
Shock, which is one of the ones that everyone was going crazy about. I think it was like named best game of the decade of the of the aughts. And it's uh, it is great. It's got a really funny, not funny, really immersive, interesting storyline based on this sort of Ayn Randian uh, evil guy. And like aesthetically, it's really cool. But then it's so immersive and terrifying. And with surround sound and a dark cave with a giant projector, like it's so immediate like people yeah. coming up behind you to kill you and stuff yeah. I was like I can play for like half an hour and then it just it you get that level it's of just adrenaline going that's yeah is it a that's, like get the headset and there's a guy in Germany also killing people no this like, one's just a single player shooter thing but it's also, like, like I need to punch a cow yeah yes <laughs> I, I gotta do something this one's yeah. I, I do say this had like a walk I want to just watch it as a movie because of all the <laughs> accolades it was getting for the story and I guess there's kind of like a Lady or the Tiger sort of thing. Yeah. You have to decide. Do you know what Bioshock? No, I don't. But it is one like I need to. I need to shoot the ocean. I need to go see something big and make it stop. Yeah. Or you see commercials for the video game. And you're like, oh, I can't wait to see that film. And then <laughs> they've tricked Unfortunately, me. Unfortunately, not a thing. Yeah. yeah. I bet hey. someone's published like a walkthrough on YouTube. But yeah. Hey, were you ever a smoker? Um, I, uh, just uh, not, I don't think I ever inhaled, but only to cute meet cute boys at parties. I would right, ask, right, bum right. cigarettes. Yeah, uh, I did bartend for several years when smoking was still a thing in bars, so I secondhand smoke. It seems like a different century. Well, it was a different oh. century, but like, a, right. it, like it well, seems like it's so, so snuck ago. into our century. The first I started comedy in two thousand and one, and for the first six years of that, most of the gigs I did were. In smoking venues, I mean, it's hellish. Like your co- your clothes yeah. constantly reeked. Yeah, yeah. You couldn't have like the same jacket. You couldn't wear and to the work best the next comedy day. clubs as well. Are We're the like ones with low Lydia, ceilings. Exactly. And, yeah, and also you're elevated. So not only are you, is there this complete cloud <laughs> the of smoke, cloud is at the top of the room. Yeah, you're sort of stood. You're stood at exactly the level that this yeah. cloud just naturally sits. Acme used to the Monday night, the open mic when I started was the only smoking night. The rest of the nights, no smoking. But you could you still it was like open the door, just smoke everywhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but never never and you find smoke. It, it was amazing how quickly we all adjusted. Yeah, like, I, there was a period of time when I was in. I went from a month at the Edinburgh Festival to a week in Ireland, and and then came back to England. And for some reason, Ireland went non-smoking first, then Scotland, which. I, and then the, the traditionally most healthy of those three places went last. Um, and after a month and a half of being in a place where you couldn't smoke indoors, I was back at a gig in London and a woman lit up a cigarette on the front row and I almost stopped mid-sentence because I was just for a second I was like, what are you, What's what are you, what are you doing? Because yeah. it was just as, like, that's illegal. It would be like if she suddenly lit up a joint or something and you just yeah. go, that's what you can't be. Or how miserable it was once you you were in a non-smoking bar and then you go somewhere and people were smoking. You're like, how did we all just yeah, agree that this was some states were still fine? Oh, yeah, we, which there still are. There are still yeah, yeah. some U.S. states that Oregon was pretty slow to it. I think yeah, Oregon yeah. might have been in the last ten years. Nevada, South Dakota course, was Vegas, really slow to it still, but most of the Vegas venues are fairly well ventilated, yeah. but they are right. still smoking. I remember having my my smoking party jacket you wore to the. <laughs> Your party just, clothes just for that the smoking bars. That always yeah. smell awful, right? Mm-hmm. Well, why um, did you bring this up, Matthew? Well, because birds have a tendency to pick up cigarette stubs, cigarette butts, and they line their nests with them, which can cut parasite numbers, apparently, raising the chick's chance of survival. So smoke them. Smoke them up. Yeah, you're helping. But hold, hold your oh, horses. Oh, boy. What's this now? Amber and Andy. Mm-hmm. Because there is also a downside. Oh, of course. No. The same way smoking in humans can cause cancer, but also makes you cool. Right. Right. Um, you take the good, take the bad. So there's the up and down. Yeah. Um, 
Constantino uh, Macias Garcia. I call him CM. Of the National Autonomous University of Mexico, which is a university that runs entirely by itself. Right. That's such a (laughs) weird thing to be proud of. (laughs) That doesn't sound real. Uh, It's it's the first university to become (laughs) self-aware. Um, it reported the effect on parasites in 2012. Now his team finds that the more butts are present in Mexican house finch nests, the greater the number of chromosomal abnormalities in the chicks. The damage might have adverse effects on the birds as they age. The team told a meeting at the European Society for Evolutionary Biology in Lausanne, Switzerland. They are now studying whether birds add more butts when there are more parasites. I just like hearing you say add more butts. Add more butts. Yeah, if they didn't, it's just because it's just any random piece of trash. Because I assumed they sort of had figured out some benefit to it, and that's why they were doing it. Uh, it's just there's a lot of it, and it's trash is possibly what they're doing if it's not that. And it happened to have this positive and then this negative. Yeah, I, I get. I think. It, well, it it's an interesting one because when it comes to things like evolution, most of that animal's evolution reprocess would have preceded right it wouldn't have been an actual evolutionary mechanism but is there some other way it could i guess how else could it yeah i i can't think of how else a bird a could sad learn looking bird's nest like just full of cigarettes just but looking just... like a yeah because that's the thing because like when it's fresh that bird would look cool as shit oh yeah <laughs> but like even like an overflowing cigarette like i mean there might be like a couple of birds that could play it off as like yeah i'm writing a novel yeah yeah, and then there's it's like hipster like, ones. It's cool at night, but you, that daylight, that harsh morning light, all uh, those cigarette butts, it's just nothing, sad. Stale cigarettes and stale lager. There's no mm. worse smell. Nothing I'm like, worse. dude, just because they're American spirits doesn't mean they're better than me. Or <laughs> no. that you're, they're not good for you. They're still... Just because you're rolling your own. <laughs> right. Doesn't mean... That's not really much of a thing in America, is it? Rolling your own cigarettes? Yeah. I feel like they're enough I, pretentious people. In Britain, it's more... It's just cheaper. So a lot of my student friends oh, would do okay. it and some of my other, like, it's... Even when you take into account that, uh, I assume if you don't pack them tightly, they'll burn faster? Would you waste more because they're burning too fast? No, they don't burn, because f- they, they burn down, um, hand-rolled ones burn, like, joints where they go out if then if you don't keep drawing on them. Oh, okay. So you're not um, wasting any. Yeah, so actually they burn more slowly. That's one of the other reasons why they end up being cheaper is cigarettes from... The reason cigarettes keep burning, and again, why they're such a huge fire hazard, is one of the chemicals that they have in them is... Like an accelerant? Or? It, yeah, it keeps it burning. Yeah. Uh, stops it from going out, whereas a joint or a hand-rolled cigarette just naturally stops burning after a bit if you're mm-hmm. not drawing air through it. Maybe people are rolling their own. We just don't... I don't see it because they have to step outside. Or yeah. I'm not, I'm not I mean, I guess I, I did see it a little bit in Oregon before it went, became illegal. What about uh, yes? What the pool part? I don't know where people. I didn't even yeah. notice anybody smoking. I don't really, also, I don't really find is more butts thing that are, in the UK. Like yeah. in, in America, maybe in California, where most people I know who smoke weed in California, and that's a lot of people. Because <laughs> amazing how many people have glaucoma yeah. out here. A lot of sick people here. The you young know. glaucoma people. Must be something. Someone's got to do some kind of study to yeah. see what why so many people have fatigue mm-hmm. or gla- uh, <laughs> fatigue. Fatigue. Prescribed marijuana yeah. for, for fatigue. fatigue. I'm tired. I'm is there a way to exacerbate this? Yeah. It's also amazing how many people have anxiety that needs them to have their dog with them in restaurants. Mm. They need to have their dog smoking pot? Or they just put on the cute no. little vest that it sort of looks like it could be a surface dog, yeah. but they just got a cute vest at a dog shop. That, that's, oh, that is one of those ones. In California, now it's... And on like, planes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, there are definitely... 
there are definitely people who really do need service animals. Both, obviously, the blind guide dogs for the blind is the most obvious, but then there are people who dogs are trained. Yeah, dogs dogs are trained now to notice certain medical emergencies, notice when people are having fits or or, I think diabetes. Notice uh, when there are squirrels. Yeah, exactly. And also, there are people. And there are people who genuinely have real anxiety disorder and having an animal with them helps them navigate the real world right and that's great good for them but it's also there's i know people who it's just like the people who have their weed card like yeah i want to smoke weed legally or semi or whatever state it is so i'm going to tell a doctor i have anxiety you're like no i don't want to leave home without my dog because i love my dog and i want to be able to take them into a restaurant so yeah i have anxiety this vest online from etsy yeah (laughs) It's so got like cute. guide misspelled <laughs> service with a uh, S instead of a C. Wait, do you guys spell service weird? Yeah. You don't spell service some weird way, right? No. Uh, no, I can't even British... see it now without writing it down. Yeah. I can there's totally see you there's guys. There's a U in there somewhere right. and they just throw S-O-U-E-V. you in. S-O-U-E-V. No, no. no, there's no, there's definitely a C always in both oh, okay, versions okay, okay. of service. <laughs> um. How do we get on to... I don't know. Oh, butts. Oh, yeah. The, 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 the bur- yeah, birds. A, oh. Yeah, Californians tend to use pipes and bongs far more. Brits tend to use joint, joints and tend to roll them with tobacco. Yeah, I mean, that happens still, I think, but it's it seems like if you were going to smoke pot, it'd be easier to just be able to do something quickly, right? I don't know. If one were to... Well, uh, and how hard is it to roll a decent joint? I, mean, I think... I've never tried it. It, seems, I, it looks hard. It's uh, Yeah, I haven't either, uh, but I see, and I'm like... Oh, uh, my, my friends in the UK who are committed uh, weed smokers can roll joints very efficiently and effectively. And that's also kind of a cool party trick, I guess, right? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I know friends a, who pride themselves on being able to roll joints one-handed while walking, and that can... Oh, wow. Wow. That's not a thing to wow. That's I a mean, thing to wow when you're 18. <laughs> yeah, okay, you're right. Wow. <laughs> it's like when I learned I didn't ever even smoked but for some reason I learned the one handed uh, open and light yeah. a zippo thing oh yeah I had a li- or I- with a book of matches I used, when I was a bartender that was like a good oh, part yeah, to yeah. Like oh, yeah. light it be pouring with one hand and lighting somebody's cigarette or flipping a match yeah, like, you're getting it, yeah. tipped you're getting tipped yeah. more if you yeah. do that yeah and then just you're just a sassy smart ass ooh she knows how to use matches <laughs> <laughs> she has she She's has good. power over fire yes she has a fake microphone and yes. one party trick yes I'm sold yeah. The point is, pick up your cigarette butts. Yes. Put thank them in you. a covered trash can. Thank you. We don't want we don't want no deformed birds up in here. That's <laughs> what I've Those learned. Poor birds. They thought they were just killing parasites, and they were, yeah. but also getting deformed. Uh, uh, maybe there's a fine line. Of yes, exactly. Hmm. Now we're killing each other. Hey, oh. you know who else killed each other? <gasps> Who's that? Being all about the segways today. Yes. <laughs> uh, people in what is now central Germany, uh, seven thousand years ago. And a then mass grave <gasps> containing at least 26 skeletons is further evidence of the brutal conflict that appears to have beset Central Europe seven millennia ago. The remains were uncovered at Schoenick, uh Kellienstaden in central Germany. They were just in- trying to put up a Starbucks. Yeah. And- <laughs> Individuals had their heads smashed. Some even had their legs broken, which could indicate they were also tortured. Scientists tell the PNAS journal... That the condition of the burial fire, a burial pit fits an emerging pattern of widespread violence in early Neolithic times. Seven thousand years ago, there was torture. So you're telling me a torture is older than Earth? What? Yep. <laughs> By a thousand years. <laughs> okay. A thousand years older than Earth. Uh, 
Similar mass graves have been unearthed at Talheim, also in Germany, and at Ashbarn Schletz in Austria. The occupants were likely all drawn from agricultural communities whose pottery... What's that? To my people. Oh, yeah. Did your people also decorate pottery? <laughs> you know, I bet some of the, I bet you have some pottery decorated. Somebody, in your somebody down the line. Yeah, There's probably. no way you wouldn't have done. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are people whose pottery decoration style has led to them being dubbed the linear pottery culture, which translates as linear band keramik, uh, LBK in German. This group has left a rich archaeological record which Christian Meyer and colleagues say highlights the unusualness of the mass graves. These people would normally have been buried in a ceremonial style, carefully positioned on their left side and surrounded by artifacts of value. But in the pits, the bodies have been dumped in a haphazard fashion and are surrounded by all manner of waste objects. So somebody hated pottery. Right? At Schoenach Killenstaden, which was first identified during a road construction project, the dead includes ten individuals who would be no more than six years old at the time. Oh, come on, ancient oh. Germans. Come on, guys. Although, to be fair, they'd be 7,006 years old now, so that's pretty old. Okay. They had a good run. As well as the blunt force trauma injuries to bones, many arrowheads were found in and amongst the skeletons. The inference is that these weapons also played a role in the deaths. We don't know what was going on for sure at this time, but we think several farming communities were targeting each other, says Dr. Meyer. Two other sites have previously been found showing this violence, and all three sites cluster at the end of this LBK culture, so I think there must have been some profound change occurring. Perhaps there were too many people. Perhaps some climate change was affecting agricultural production. Sure. (laughs) Clearly, something must have happened to provoke lethal conflict to break out between settled farming communities. Was this did, when they found this grave? Was there a chance there was also a seven thousand and one year old video game console <laughs> nearby? Because so um, did something happen? I'm still confused. Something happened. Well, we had, I mean, this is pre-history. This is pre any kind of uh, yeah, any writing. Right. The okay. most dramatic finding is the number. Well, I guess it's after cultivation, though. After agriculture is a mm-hmm. thing. There's a certain amount of uh, civilization, if not uh, yeah. recordings thereof. Um, the most dramatic finding is the number, almost two-thirds, of shin bones that have been broken. Oh. We cannot say for sure if people were alive or dead when their legs were smashed, Ooh. because the bones would look the same if the bodies were mutilated after death. But overall, it makes a bit more sense for it to be torture Speaking of, of making a statement. Oh. Speaking of this, how are we sure this wasn't an ancient culture of skeletons? Just skeleton <laughs> farmers... How do we know these skeletons weren't playing a very a particularly aggressive game of soccer? Mm-hmm. Uh, some, some footballers who were particularly shin-heavy mm-hmm. had a very hacky tacking sti- uh, tackling style. But these, these uh, skull fractures they show in the pictures, uh, I don't get how you would know that that couldn't have just happened from 7,000 years of things being piled on top of. I don't know. They, I'm this- not sure, but I presume they do know. Right, right. And here's a dumb question that I feel like I know the answer to. This is These are all actual bone. This isn't uh, long enough for any of this stuff to have been fossilized. This is actual bone that they're putting back together. Yes, I guess 7, so. 7,000 years probably isn't enough. I don't know how long. Yeah, no, fossilization is a lot older than that. Hundreds of thousands of... Uh, yeah, these are, they do look kind of brutal, the breaks here. But again, I don't know how you would know that's not just what happened after you were buried. 
but all in the shins. That's, that's well, and these are this. This is a skull fracture. Yeah. A three to five year old Oof. kid. So they broke their legs, cracked their skulls. Germany and mass graves. You guys don't have a great. Uh, <laughs> I, or they're just that's their th- they're real good at it. Or you yeah, just find, figured out what you're good just, at. Just yeah. So that's kind of a downer. Maybe we yeah. could. Uh, do you want do you want an upbeat story? Quick, have a, have another cookie. That's... I like. How about something that uh, could help humanity? Maybe a book of some sort. We've mutilated well, books birds. are always good, but books. Well, I mean, like books give you information. They don't actually serve a practical purpose. Uh... They're more of a. Oh, it's more this, of an interpretive purpose. They might give you advice on how to do something, Andy, but they're not going to actually. If only not like there was a book. If there, if there was a, uh, but that's not the case anymore. Uh, what? what? <laughs> a bug killing book's pages could clear murky drinking water. What? Yep, a book with pages that can be torn out to filter drinking water has proved effective in its first field trials. The quote drinkable book combines treated paper with printed information on how and why water should be filtered. It contains the pages contain nanoparticles of silver and copper, which kill bacteria in the water as it passes through. In trials at 25 contaminated water sources in South Africa, Ghana, and Bangladesh, the paper successfully removed more than 99% of bacteria, and the resulting levels of contamination are similar to U.S. tap water. Wow! The researchers say tiny amounts of silver and copper also leached into the water, but these were well below safety limits. And this was presented at the 250th national meeting of the American Chemical Society. In Boston, which I'm surprised has been going for 250 years. Uh, Dr. Terry Dankovich, a postdoctoral researcher at Carnegie Mellon, developed and tested the technology for the book over several years, working at McGill University in Canada and then at the University of Virginia. And it direct, it's directed towards communities in developing countries, obviously, noting that 600-some million people around the world don't have access to clean drinking water. So you just tear out a piece of paper, put it in the simple filter holder, and pour water into it from rivers, streams, Etc. And really it comes out clean. Yeah, you just literally pour, get a bucket like a of coffee filter. It, right. yeah. yeah, get a bucket of shitty water, pour it through this page of the book that you've torn out. We should mention it, it's the Bible. Yeah, <laughs> also the comes good book. Out, out comes clean water and dead bacteria. Why don't they, they should make it like wine. the little uh, breath strips, like the little thing where you just like, or like a box of tissues? Right? Oh, yeah, they work. That's a good idea. But they want people to read. Too. I mean, reading is important. Yeah, reading is important. But I think the reading is just the instructions on how to use each. <laughs> looks like the yeah, it's just yeah, it's one not like every book repeated. is going to be. Otherwise, you might get the false idea that you can just filter through any book. Uh, The bugs absorb silver or copper ions, depending on the nanoparticles used, as they percolate through the page. Ions come off the surface of the nanoparticles, and those are absorbed by the microbes. According to her tests, one page can clean up to 100 liters of water. That's a lot. Wow. One book could filter one person's water supply for four years. Uh, So if you're a slow reader, fine. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You're cool. Dr. Dankovich had already tested the paper in lab using artificially contaminated water. Success there led to the field trials, which she conducted over the past two years, working with the charities Water is Life and IDE. In these tests, the bacteria count in the water samples plummeted by well over 99% on average, and in most samples it dropped to zero. Greater than 90% of the samples basically had no viable bacteria in them after we'd filtered the water through the paper. It's really exciting to see not only can this paper work in lab models, but it's shown success with real-world sources that people are using. Um, one location, brace yourself for this, Uh-oh. gave the papers gave the paper a particularly tough challenge. There was one site where there was literally raw sewage Ugh. being dumped into the stream, which had very high levels of bacteria. But we were really impressed with the performance of this paper. It was able to con- 
to kill the bacteria almost completely in those samples. And they're pretty gross to start with. So we thought if it can do this, it can probably do a lot. I don't, you could filter that through War and Peace, and I ain't drinking your shit water. <laughs> That's... Uh, well, Bill Gates did that recently. He drank shit water? See, yeah, Icky there was... Water? um. Let's, let's he did up. the bucket challenge, but he used icky water. Uh, yeah. Uh, they have explored whether this, this kind of filter can be fitted into a kolshi, which is the traditional water container used by many Bangladeshis. Uh, and they're looking at making it, stepping up production, because they're currently, Dr. Dankovic and her students are making the paper by hand. And move on to trials in which the local residents use the filters themselves. Um... It's also said, while the paper appears to kill bacteria successfully, it is unclear whether it would remove other disease-causing microorganisms. I'd want to see results for protozoa and viruses, she said. It's promising, but it's not going to save the world tomorrow. They've completed an important step, and there are more to go through. It'd be especially awesome. Yeah. It would be especially powerful, says Dr. Kyle Dudrick, uh, who studies sustainable water treatment at University of Notre Dame, if it could also tackle non-bacterial infections such as the tiny parasite Cryptosporidium, which recently caused a health scare in Lancashire. I didn't know that that was non-bacteria. I thought that was a kind of bacteria. No, I believe it's a... Uh, I don't know what it actually is. Something else. Um, but of all the technologies that are available, ceramic filters, UV sterilization, and so on, this is a promising one because it's cheap, and it's a catchy idea that people could get hold of and understand. Uh, it's catchy. Listen, we're having some troubles. Yeah. We need... We need a good marketing spin on this. Make it catchy. Uh, I like that there's a book that can filter water, but I'm just going to wait for the movie. Right. You guys, right? Come on. Hey. Uh, Cryptosporidium is a protozoa. I didn't know that that's different from bacteria. Mm. I don't know anything about biology. (laughs) Uh, Protozoa are, I think they're still single-celled. Are they they multi-celled? No, they are unicellular. Um, They are single-celled. They were historically defined as single-celled organisms with animal-like behaviors, such as motility and... uh, Cuteness? Yeah, and cuteness. (laughs) And uh, predation. Oh, okay. I guess being a predator? Is that what that is? Yeah, I guess what that probably is, yeah. So we Uh, don't know if it works for those, but it does work for bacteria. That's pretty awesome. uh, They're also considered to be plant-like because they're capable of photosynthesis. Okay. Well, good work, science. Um, I'm on board for this. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, nope. Nope. Nothing's coming. My segue portion of my brain has just uh, ceased to fire. <laughs> you know what hasn't stopped firing is lightning in the most this electric guy. place on earth. <laughs> what? Out of nowhere. Came from behind. Uh, one lake in Venezuela, lightning flashes an average of 28 times a minute. It's the most electric place on earth. Whoa. Um, you know the saying, lightning never strikes the same place twice? Forget it. On a good night, this one lake in Venezuela hosts thousands of lightning strikes every hour. Uh, the phenomenon is known variously as the beacon of Maracaibo Catatumbo lightning or cue dramatic roll of thunder, the, quote, everlasting storm. Um, that last one might be a slight exaggeration, but where the Catatumbo River meets Lake Maracaibo, there's an average of uh, 260 storm days per year. And here the night sky is regularly illuminated for nine hours with thousands of flashes of naturally produced electricity. Um, Summer storms are familiar to many of us, but along the equator, where temperatures are higher, skies rumble throughout the year. Uh, The Congo in Central Africa is known as the thunderstorm capital of the world, where the mountain village of Kifuka, 
with 158 lightning flashes per square kilometer each year, was thought to be the most electric place on Earth. That was until more detailed data was analyzed. And in 2014, figures from NASA revealed that Brahmaputra Valley, east of far eastern India, um, had the highest monthly lightning flash rate between April and May. But then Venezuela's Lake Maracaibo earned a place at the Guinness Book of World Records for highest concentration of lightning with 250 lightning flashes per square kilometer each year. Have you ever been struck by lightning? I haven't. Not yet. Oh. The day is young. We're young. Uh, I do miss that about, I mean, Los Angeles, um, we maybe have like at best one lightning storm a year. We're growing up back in Michigan and yeah. I'm sure North Dakota, Especially Minnesota. This time of year. Yeah, summertime is great because you'll have these really intense storms and then um, an hour later it'll be sunny. But uh, I do kind of miss the, it's fun having the windows rattled by. Well, and I like that you kind of know it. It's coming. Like it's starting to rain, or there's a thunderstorm, yeah. or a tornado. You maybe are aware of this earthquake just coming up from the earth. Not no. Yeah, I yeah, don't yeah. care for that at all. Have you been? How many earthquakes have you experienced? One that I've uh, woke me up out of the sleep, and then yeah, that that's it. But uh, was it the one in the last year or two? Oh, you yeah, a year and a half. That was yeah. like six a.m. It was like I a thought a truck was driving by. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was yeah, the first it, one I felt. Um, I'd much rather have a thunderstorm because the course. small ones do I just mean, feel like a truck. But then I. In the time in I, I've been in LA, I've had a, two earthquakes that have been like really Feelable. like whoa, holy crap! Like where things are really scary, where the, you can feel yourself being thrown from one side to the other, and it's unmistakably an earthquake. Have you ever uh, been caught in like tornado watch, or like, had to run down to a basement because there might no, there's a tornado nearby? No, no, that, I've that's never... you, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, we had we, uh, again. Those were exciting for me because yeah. nothing ever actually nothing bad happened, and right. we were far more. Amber, you are far more in tornado, tornado Michigan's, land than... Yeah, I mean, it's not like we are in a tornado alley, but it was definitely... there. I remember many times having to, like, mom, dad, okay, get down in the basement because their yeah. tornadoes have been spotted. Um, and then thunder and lightning, that can be kind of... It's so loud. can be kind of terrifying, but then it's... Uh, and then we get to get out of work as lifeguards. We would always oh. pray that the lightning would be... And then our boss was just a shithead, so he was, like, the person who would hold... To the last possible second, like just call it. Let us go home. Right. Like, we have to close the pool. There's lightning. He's like, no, that's that's far away still. <laughs> but it is fun to swim in the yeah. in, a, in a thunderstorm or rainstorm. That's yeah. fun to go swimming. But... It is, but it's also very dangerous to swim. Right, with right. You'd see lightning. Then mom in a rainstorm is fun. Like it's really fun yeah. to be if you're in a heated pool, but it's and it's warm outside, but it, there's warm rain. Yeah, I remember calling up my chemistry teacher. This is the dorkiest thing ever. We were having you an had argument. That person's phone number. That's already. I don't know how this happened. I don't know how we had, had her number, but when I was life guarding one summer we were getting an argument about like why would it be dangerous to be in a pool it's not like it's elevated why would it ever be a thing that attracts lightning and uh i i should google this now because I, I think she was saying that it, it might not my chemistry teacher uh and i, I should have called like a physics teacher but um it might not be that it actually does attract it it's just that you have uh the probability of um it's just a larger area that you're kind of condensing all that probability mm-hmm. onto you because you're in it also Maybe that's all that it was, because um, of course, like water isn't even a great conductor, and it's the things that are in, like distilled water, conducts very poorly, and it's only things in water that help it have a little less resistance. Um, what are you finding? Here we go. Uh, it doesn't matter the chlorine or like a lake water. But I think uh, I think any, anything that's not just H two O is going to yeah. contribute to its conductance. I think. Here's here's part of the problem, and here we go. This does make sense. Swimming pools are connected to a much larger surface area via underground water pipes, gas lines, electric and telephone wiring, etc. Lightning strikes to the ground anywhere on this metallic network may induce shocks elsewhere. 
So I think that's the problem. So the swimming pool, bad news. So out like, on the lake, you're fine. So <laughs> you're better off. But also, like, is it just that you are a better conductor than the water around you, so it's going to short circuit through you Straight as it's trying you. to? Maybe. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that could also be the case. Um, like, I feel like if it struck a lake, how could it possibly have enough power to kill everything? And like, it, right. it's not go. And you also know the the equation roughly, uh, roughly every five second gap between the thunder and the lightning right. is a mile. Yeah, just because sound is only eleven hundred feet a second, right? Seven hundred miles an hour, something like that. That sounds about right. So that's that's so that article you're looking up also doesn't say that it's n- lightning wouldn't for any reason be attracted to bodies of water. According to that article, it's just the fact that. Uh, because this article actually does find reasons uh, that this one lake in Venezuela. But I don't know if this is unique to this. So, yeah, experts have sought reasons for this area's uniquely intense storms for decades. In the 60s, it was thought that uranium deposits in the bedrock attracted more lightning strikes. And more recently, scientists suggested that the conductivity of the air above the lake was boosted by the abundance of methane from oil fields below. And neither theory has proved has been proven yet, though. So for now... The record-breaking light show is attributed to a potent combination of topographical and wind patterns. Terrifyingly beautiful. Yes, they got some cool time-lapse or like long-exposure shots here with lightning strikes. Um, It is partly being in an open boat or a lake during a lightning storm. It is a big part of the risk has to do with you being the highest point around. Right. So if you're swimming, if you're the only thing in, if yeah, if you're the only thing in a swimming pool. You're then that is a big surface the... area and you are the focal point. But only by an inch? I mean... It's enough. Or whatever is above the water? Uh, yeah. Increasing your height by any amount increases your chance of being hit by a calculable amount. Avoid being the highest object anyway, anywhere, be it a beach, small open boat, pier, meadow, or ridge. You're the tallest so one here. So if you're in a pool, there's like, you know, there's diving boards and lifeguard towers, all these things around the pool. You would not be anywhere near the tallest thing. And if you're in a boat, boats with cabins are safer, particularly if they've been fitted with lightning protection, but you should avoid using the radio in a storm unless there's an emergency. Ah. Uh, someone said, well, wouldn't the lake be filled with dead fish if lightning was a problem? Yeah. And someone said, you said, and apparently it is. Fish <laughs> do get killed by lightning strikes. Uh, there's a 1941 their- article in Capea, which is a scientific journal about fish, uh, amphibian, and reptiles called Mortality at Fish Hatchery Caused by Lightning. Um, and a 2005 episode of Nova documents an instance of fish in koi ponds being injured by lightning. Uh, my guess would be a fish electrocution by lightning is a pretty underreported phenomenon. But fish typically don't get killed in large quantities by lightning because, as you guessed once again, they tend to swim deeper than humans do. <laughs> so it's proximity to the strike. It's not like it's... Obviously, it has to drop off as the distance from the place it strikes decreases, or as the distance increases from it. Uh, yeah. Um, and, yeah, most of the things seem to be, it's about being an an elevated point. Uh, also, there is the other thing, that even a small lightning strike when you're in a pool or in a lake would be a lot more serious because you're just harder to get to and harder to get help. Oh, even if you're not that badly injured, just the fact that you're out you swimming in the lake. Yeah, if, like right, lightning right, right. hits right by you. Like, fuck. <laughs> okay, fine. I'll stop doing it. It's just this is my favorite hobby. And now I have just, to quit lightning storm rain. swimming. Swim in the rain, not the lightning. Or just, you know, do the kite flying and swimming separately. <laughs> Why do you but always who's have got to swim time? With your kite? <laughs> who's got time for both? <laughs> 
Only got so many vacation days, Matt. So have, have any been, have any of you been in a plane when it's been oh struck by lightning? No, that's but that doesn't do anything, right? Like I don't that would, know. Planes scare me to begin with. Well, when you're in um, uh, being like being inside a car is one of the safest places you can be when lightning strikes. It's because your tires are insulated. Uh, no, it's because you, the metal body acts as I think it's like a Faraday cage. Is that what it is? Is that the word for it? So basically, if you're inside a car, um, the metal shell of the car is so much more conductive than you inside it. That, There's no reason it would ever go through that it you. Just, yeah, it hits that metal, shoots around, and just goes straight to the ground underneath. Mm-hmm. You're incredibly safe. Drive your car into the lake. You're fine. <laughs> that's the best possible way, yep. yeah, to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Faraday cages, that's what they're using uh, for the crazy-ass Tesla coil that, uh, that makes sense. Matt Faulkner... Uh, is that Kickstarter? The thing still happening? It's still going? The Tesla coil thing? Yeah. Did you see us post that? Yeah, yeah. They, they reached their goal. They got like twenty five thousand dollars, so they're going to wow. have an even bigger Tesla musical, user controlled Tesla coil at this Burning Man, and there'll wow. be three Faraday cages around it, and it'll shoot lightning like twenty feet across to each of them. So you're standing inside of it, but there's no risk. Who gets to, you. to be in the cages? People who anybody. donated. Or oh no, as anybody at, yeah. at Burning Man, you can just go um, up and play with it if you don't mind. Uh, did you taking get a on ticket? Risk. Yes, I did get a wow. ticket. There you go. Uh, it's in fact by the time this goes out we would have just got back so i'll either be very happy or dead uh <laughs> both oh yeah well both yeah i could have died happy um here's hoping the shortest path by the way that lightning follows uh electrical discharge refers in part to the physical distance between the lightning source and target but also to resistance if there's something more conductive in the vicinity of the highest point this might be the lightning target instead uh there's no reason to expect this shouldn't hold true for lightning indeed it's by this premise that lightning rod works but to the extent that it does, it does so rather crudely. Uh, not infrequently does lightning strike very close to a lightning rod without hitting it, despite the rod being the highest elevated point. Hmm. When swimming, attracting atta- lightning strikes to your direct vicinity can be just as fatal as attracting a strike immediately to yourself, which is my next, next point. And, and I'm guessing you should not pretend to interview a lightning strike with a fake microphone? <laughs> <laughs> it's a fake microphone. What about okay. a candy microphone? Yeah. Uh, it's not electric. Uh, some lightning research says, my guess is the average lightning strike would electrify a few hundred feet worth of water from its strike point sufficiently to electrocute someone. A few hundred feet? Wow. Although That's the straight dope suggests it's a radius of 20 feet or so. But somewhere between 20 and a few hundred feet, <laughs> which is a big margin <laughs> yeah. of error. But even 20 feet is most of a swimming pool. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. So maybe the lake thing, you're a little safer, uh, but then the farther you get away from the edges, the more you become the highest local point. So maybe just, okay, I'll, I'll, cons- I'll, I'll seed this one. Just stay out of water when there's lightning. Fine. Uh, Fine, Matt. You and science win. stop talking about water. I got a little bit. This is making me have to go um, by the way, <laughs> it's Gauss's law is the thing that relates the distribution of electric charge to the resulting electric field. And that's the, that's, God, Gauss was clever. You heard it here first. He was a very clever person. Okay. Uh, he did a lot. But yeah, uh, that's basically... Uh, it's one, uh, the law was formulated by Gauss in 1835, but not published until 1867. And it's one of Maxwell's four equations, which form the basis of classical electrodynamics. The other three being Gauss's law for magnetism, Faraday's law of induction, and, and Ampere's law with Maxwell's correction. Wait, no Ohm's law? It can law? be used to de- derive Coulomb's law and vice versa, uh, which is the inverse square law describing the electrostatic interaction between electrically charged particles. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
yeah basically if you're inside a car which is very conductive or a plane a plane would be fairly similar you wouldn't notice it inside right. a plane because you're sat inside a metal but i've always wondered if you would still hear a huge sound or not or if well, no, so I've, been, you I've been in planes before where you see light you don't Sound doesn't travel through planes very easily because it's got the double windows and the. I would be. I'm like yeah. terrified thinking about it. But I've that. seen. I've definitely flown, and you've seen the like the wings light up while lightnings hit it. Oh, so you have been hit by lightning essentially in a plane. I he guess. asked that. You didn't answer. It. I guess I have. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I'm being rude. No, no. Bathroom like, break. All this, all this talk about the lake is making me have a bathroom break, and I didn't know what it, to bring it up. You edited it out, or now listeners get to know this is real life. Also, don't swim in waterfalls. Don't swim in lightning oh, storms. Yeah. Okay. All right. Oh we'll take a break. All right, we're back. And we're back. <laughs> Sorry, rude. Rude. It's not rude. I think it'd be much ruder if you... I hadn't? Hadn't gone. <laughs> yeah. follow us. This just, is, and not, not acknowledged today. it. Just be a first. Uh, wet myself and then... Right, and normally indoor, we're in the garden chairs and that's fine. We can just hose them off after, <laughs> as, as we do every week no matter what. Yeah, just, just in case. Now that's why I know it was a good party, whether or not you had to hose off the chair. Exactly. This was a, a two-hoser. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of hosers, uh, Minnesota's Amber Preston. No, I guess that's more Canadian. Damn it, that doesn't yeah. work at all. Yeah, but they do say... They people. Say nobody knows the difference between any of the accents, so I feel like that those guys, that they, they, people think it's hockey, it's beer, it's right. cold, you know, it's all the same. Hosers, okay. We're, North Dakota's real close to Canada. So is Minnesota. But Could yeah. you, like Sarah Palin style, you can see it from your house? Got it. Well, Winnipeg is only a few hours from Fargo, and you can drink when you're 18. Oh. So that was a... Oh, that was a thing you a, did? A, a trip. Oh, yeah. That's younger than... I'm surprised it's, it's, it's 19 in Ontario, or it was. That's well, I mean, yeah, maybe it was when well, I Also, I know Winni- Winnipegites, Winnipegians, Winni- Winnipegsters. Winnipegos. Uh, sometimes if they're traveling to the U.S., it is substantially cheaper to drive to Fargo Airport and yeah. fly to somewhere in the U.S. from there. Oh. Than it well, is to then, fly. you know, you could stop at my folks' house and right? get a ham sandwich. <laughs> oh, fun. Speaking of Fargo, uh, what do you, what's your take on the TV show? I haven't, I haven't seen it yet. I think I it's know. as good as the movie. I, that's what everyone says. It's great. It's really, really good. Um, I'll watch the movie every once in a while. And in my mind, it, it was just filmed a few years ago because I think I'm 23. <laughs> and, and then you watch it and you're like, oh, that's so long ago. Yeah, it's yeah. been almost 20 years. Um, but yeah, I've heard the television show is great. Very good. Um, uh, yeah, I got to do some background work on a Coen Brothers film when I like first few months I was here, and that was very exciting to me. I was just like, um, you know, a few feet from them, and I wow. wanted to be like, like radiating Fargo thoughts and Minneapolis thoughts. And what was they, the movie? Uh, the um, uh, Hail Caesar. Oh, it's, it's not out yet. It's not out oh, yet. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, so hopefully you'll see me swing dancing in the background. Awesome. Can you actually swing dance? Not very much. Not, not great. No, <laughs> I wasn't. I wasn't. Uh, I was just supposed to be like sitting and having a drink, and then they were like, "You two, get up and then walk across here, and then start dancing, and then come back tomorrow and dance some more." And I was like, "Oh, that's all right. Here we go." <laughs> that's but, pretty uh, awesome. Uh, yeah. Amber, where yes. can our listeners find out more about you and your work, and where they can, they see can you, like? find me? It's real silly, but um, my Twitter. And Instagram, all that jazz is uh, Preston Party because when I first started uh, getting the website and all the jazz, uh, amberpreston.com was a webcam. Porn. Porn. And it still pops up if you are at work, uh, any sort of financial, anything where it's it's monitored, it'll pop up. I don't know how to change that. So if anybody knows like how to say, hey, it's not naughty anymore. Um but amberpreston.com but Preston Party is my Twitter and all that jazz so you now own Preston Amber now Preston I know Amber, now I own amberpreston.com I had somebody out of blue out of the blue email me um, and said oh that's available now I was watching that website for you I was like oh were uh, you though or you were watching that Amber Preston you were just paying attention to the webcam girl and 
now it's not, so I can have it. This isn't someone you knew? This is someone I... No, yeah, somebody just like uh, emailed me. Weird. That's awesome. Yeah. The whole whole first page I'm seeing when I search is all you and not porn, so good. congrats. Good work. That's good. <laughs> and I'm also seeing, this reminds me of something we're doing in a week or two. Uh, last year, you yeah. were on Mark Maron's podcast yes. from the LA Podcast Yes, Festival. I got very excited because A, that was fun, but I need to know now. Will any other new kids on the block be at LA Podfest? Because I was not aware, and I was—I'm getting very excited because I missed Joey McIntyre by mere minutes. It's funny because uh, Joey is a <sighs> Joe is a good friend of Graham Elwood's. Who's Shut one of the, the front door. Yeah, he just met him in Santa Monica, just oh, at a coffee God. place. They just like hit it off, yes. and uh, they just became buddies. And Graham knew him for a long time before finding out who he was. Yeah. Like, to the point that Joey McIntyre said to Graham, hey, my band's got a show this week. Do you want to see us play? It's like, oh, sure. Where are you playing? He's like, the Staples Center. Yeah. Like, what's your band? Right. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I was so... His brother, Joey McIntyre's brother, came to the WTF taping that night. And I, of course, mentioned it because I, I somehow get new kids on the block into every podcast I do. Uh, it's magic. Even the science podcast. And uh, <laughs> I was going to ask you this all after we're offline. But uh, yeah, Joey McIntyre's brother came up and was like, uh, how about a McIntyre brother? Huh? And I, like, uh, I was like, no, it's not you're quite fine. the same. Yeah, I think it's but... a safe bet, even if he's not the guest on Comedy Film Nerds, that he'll be <gasps> someone's guest or he'll be, he'll be there. I don't want to promise right. anything. No. Um, but, but he's a good friend know. of Graham's and uh, and a good podcast guest. He's funny. Yeah, he's I watched that a, live show they he did. Is. Yeah, he's delightful. He doesn't have to be, but he is. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, LA Podfest was fun. That podcast was real fun. Yeah. And this yeah. year we are doing it live again, and Pat Oswald is going to be one of our guests. Oh, so yeah, LAPodfest.com for tickets and info. If you want to buy access to the live stream, watch it. Watch the video stream at home. Use the code Science for five dollars off. Or if you want to buy tickets to come in person. By the time this comes out, it might be sold out for live for when tickets is it? in person. When is it it's happening? September 18th through 20th, LAPodfest.com. For info, it's at the SoFatel Hotel in Beverly Hills. And we've got 30 plus podcasts. So fun. I have Really, really it. fun. And yeah, the, the live tickets may be sold out, but what won't be sold out, because I don't think there's a limit on the numbers, yeah. is the live stream. Uh, and it's not just the live stream. You can watch all of those videos for a, it's a good couple of weeks a month, afterwards, right? Three weeks to a month afterwards, the, um, the archive is going to be up also. So you can watch all of the videos of all of the podcasts, including ours. And to get that, to get it for a mere 20 rather than $25, use the offer code SCIENCE. Yes, yes. So sign up to that. Use that code. That would both help us out and help you out. And follow Preston Party on Twitter and see where she's performing. Um, You can donate to us to help us keep going. Uh, We don't have anyone to thank this week because we recorded two episodes back to back, so they were thanked in the previous week. But uh, if you hit the donate button, that helps us out a lot. Uh, If you're shopping on Amazon, click our link first. Why not just set that as your Amazon bookmark on your web browser and then you don't need to remember it. You can uh, also buy t-shirts, probably science t-shirts on the web if you want to walk around loudly proclaiming your love for our show or just having something on a t-shirt that people go like oh yeah that's a sort of interesting slogan either way have that buy our t-shirts uh spread the words uh tell lots of people if you're not able to donate that would be the other way you can really help us out let people know about our show write nice things about us on itunes and rate the episodes subscribe if you're not already subscribing any questions, comments, clarifications, you can email us probablyscience at gmail.com. You can tweet us at probablyscience. You can also find us at Matt Kirshen, at Andy T. Wood, and at Jesse Case. And please listen to Jesse versus Cancer, uh, Jesse's show that he's running right now. It's amazing. Please, please start downloading it. Subscribe to that too. And I think he might have... Uh, we, I was going to get into this earlier, but... Uh... 
maybe it will have already come out a week or two earlier, but I think he's going to tell the story about his tornado experience, which is crazy. I don't he know. He actually has story. a tornado story. Whoa. Yeah. He, he hinted at it this week. So I check didn't... out the archives of his show. Uh, but yeah, do all that. Uh, find us at PodFest. If you're at a place where we're performing, come up and say hi. We love meeting people who listen to the show. It's so cool. We really mm-hmm. appreciate it. And we will see you next week. But thank you so, so much, Amber Preston. Thanks for having me, guys. You're the best, okay? Yeah.